Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message.
one of the things that I re recognize as I reflect back over those addresses or those sermons that I presented is that I have challenged those graduates to have a mission in life, to have a purpose, to have a goal. And as I think about the other sermons that I have heard to graduates or the commencement addresses, I realize that this is basically the general theme that, that all people use, may take different forms, and, and uh, attack the subject from different directions, but we all come up with the, the same basic challenge, and that is to know where you're going. This is important that we know what our purpose is, what our mission is, what our goal is in life. I think if we could look at the lives of people and, and sort them out a little bit, we would soon see why some people are successful and some others are not. We would discover that those people who made up their mind early in life what they were going to do and set out to accomplish that perhaps have been generally successful. I'm not saying that everyone is. And the fact that someone fails along the line does not mean that he is not successful or will not be somewhere along the line. I have heard that some wealthy people have been asked the question, what do you attribute your uh, success to, your, your wealth to, and the response has been my willingness to fail more than other people. So failure in itself does not mean that there will not be success. But those people have had a goal. Someone said in a commencement address to a group of high school students, he, he gave them this challenge. He said, put all of your eggs in one basket and watch that basket. Have a purpose, have a goal, have a reason for existence. Those people who perhaps are simply floundering around in society cannot tie their life's ambitions to any particular direction. Many people go in whatever direction is convenient, or however the wind might blow, or whatever the influences might be upon them, and therefore don't have any direct purpose or mission in life. I say this as background because I believe that what the Lord is saying to us in this passage of Scripture is to tell us as a church, as His servants, that we've got to have a reason for what we do. And when we do it, that we do it with a purpose in mind. I've been associated with many organizations. One of the privileges that I've had in the school business as well as in church business, is to do some directing of planning for the organization, for a school system, or for a, an organization, or for a church. We've got to know what our goals are. There are many organizations that exist for their own self-existence. And really, you cannot come up with a reason that they have for existing except to perpetuate their own existence. I've challenged a few mission circles to this, uh, with this at times. I don't know what yours is like, 
So you see, I can say this freely. Many times mission circles don't have the slightest idea why they're a mission circle. They don't know what the goal is. I suspect that the purpose of a mission circle is more than to furnish the kitchen in the church. I just suspect that. I suspect that men's fellowships have more reason for existence than simply to come together to eat. I suspect that we as a church have a reason for existence that, that is more than just meeting on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights for our own fellowship and so that we can feel good when we leave the church. I think maybe we might have a reason that is deeper than that. But we need to find out what it is if we don't know to be sure that we have our mission clear in mind before we set out to do anything. We ought to know what it is that we're going to do when we go out the door. If we don't know what it is that we're going to do when we go out the door, we may be floundering. Well, the Lord gave us a parable. The parable is a very simple one. He says that there was a man who prepared a supper. And he invited many people to come to his supper. And he sent out his servant at supper time. And his mission was to go out and to bid those whom the Lord, who the great man had invited, to come in to the supper. And the servant went out and he began to invite and announce to those that were on the invitation list that they ought to come to supper. And one man said, well, I certainly would like to come, but I just bought a piece of ground, and I've got to go see about it. <coughs> I have thought of that many times, that there are people who do not come to church simply because they happen to own a piece of property that is more important than church attendance. You know that vacation plot you have on the lake or the river? Isn't it awfully tempting to go see about that on Sunday morning? But many people do not come to the Lord's invitation to dine at his table because there is some physical thing they own that becomes more important. Another one said, I just bought five yoke of oxen and I've got to go prove them. Business affairs get in the way. I've got to go see about my business affairs. And another one said, I'm sorry, I can't come, I just got married. Now I want you to notice something. The first two people said, I pray you have an excuse. Offer my excuses, please. But this man simply said, I just can't be there. He didn't ask to be excused or anything else. He pointed out, I'm not going. Parent. <coughs> And the reason is, I just got married. One of the tragedies of many young married couples is that their love and affection for each other is so immediately great that they forget that there is a greater love and affection that they ought to have in Jesus Christ. And many young couples start uh, falling away from their devotion to the church and to the service of God because of their marriage. And the first thing you know, they no longer associated too well with the church. I'm going to deal with a lot of those subjects next Sunday morning. 
or next Sunday evening, or rather, I should say, when we deal with the, the, the problem next Sunday evening of the relationship of husbands and wives and, and, and families and uh, job-related things that deal with our, with our relationship to Jesus Christ. But we have all of these people now who have been invited to come and participate in the banquet, and they have all offered their excuses. And the servant comes and says to the master, this is what I found. And the master became angry, and he said to the servant, Go out quickly. And there is something he wanted him to do. Go out quickly. I'm going to be dealing with the word quickly this morning more than any other word in this whole passage. We could, down in the 23rd verse, deal with the word compel, and it becomes very important. And, I, and, and maybe someday I'll spend a whole sermon on the word compel. We could spend a lot of time on the word go, but I want you to look at the word quickly. There is a sense of urgency in this command to the servant. I believe the church is the servant. We are commanded to do something. Now, we've got to know what our mission is before we're going to accomplish it. We cannot just run helter-skelter hither and yon. We cannot divide ourselves a thousand different ways and do a thousand different things. We've got to know what our mission is, and we've got to set our priorities in order so that what we do is going to accomplish our mission. We don't find always that. I hope and I'm sure that Matthew Church is, is well settled as to why it exists, what its purpose is, and what it does to go about accomplishing that purpose. He said to go out quickly. Now, I think there are some reasons as to why he used the word quickly. By the way, in the Bible, there are 33 times that this word quickly is used. And in all of those cases, as far as I can determine, Every one of those cases is indicating a sense of urgency to do something. And so the first thing that I think that we ought to notice is that there is a sense of urgency about what the church is supposed to do. A sense of urgency. We cannot be lackadaisical in our efforts. So, the first thing that I think we need to see is we have a sense of urgency because the banquet is already prepared. The meal is on the table. And when my mother says dinner's ready, you'd better get there. Is that that way in your home? Listen, I did not dare come to the table late. I knew when she announced dinner time, we had better be ready and have our hands washed and be prepared to sit down at the table. And if anything upsets my mother, it's somebody being off somewhere doing something else when it's dinner time. I believe the Lord is upset with us when we're out in other affairs and other businesses when he says it's dinner time. It's time for us to be at the table that is full and prepared with God's goodness. Now, I believe that God is ready to do business with us, and the time is now. God's business is now. 
He said, uh, Paul said to the church in Romans in 13.10, Now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. You notice the urgency in it? Now is time to wake up. Now is the time to go out into the streets, to the highways and the hedges, and do something there with the people who are bidden to come to the table. There's an old spiritual that we all like to sing. I love it. Good room, plenty good room, good room in my Father's kingdom. Just choose your seat and sit down. That's not biblical. Do you know that? Where have you been offered a seat in the kingdom of God? I correlate sitting down in this case to having nothing to do. And this is exactly the way many Christian people look at their position in the kingdom of God. It's to, it's to sit down and enjoy the meal without any responsibilities and obligations beyond that. You see, once we have feasted, somebody's got to wash the dishes. Somebody's got to do the work that follows the banquet. Somebody's got to go out and invite the people in. We're not going to laze around heaven all day. We're not going to choose a seat and sit down. Our commandment is now go out and bid them to come. Now let me say something to those of you who may not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There are two or three places that I want to talk to you in this sermon. This is one of them. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, Jesus wants you to be saved now, today. He's ready to do business with you. Today is the day of salvation, says Paul in 2 Corinthians 6.2. Today, if you will hear his voice, he says to the book of, in, in the book of Romans, the Holy Spirit of God is in our presence now, today. He is here. And he is speaking to any heart that does not know Jesus Christ. And he wants you to accept him. So there is a sense of urgency for you as well. Because the banquet is ready. Now secondly, we need to go out quickly. Because of passing opportunity. Now listen to those words. Passing opportunity. Yesterday is gone. We can't do a thing about what happened yesterday. Do you know that? I wish I could. If I could change things, there's lots of things in my life I would do differently, I think. But it's gone. Tomorrow isn't here yet. I only have today. You only have today. The opportunities that are available to us to go out and bring people into the banquet exist today. Several years ago, I attended the Baptist Convention in the state of Indiana when I was pastoring there. It was in the First Baptist Church in Indianapolis. A layman of that church presented the message to the preachers. He made one of the most dynamic speeches or sermons that I have ever heard, and he gave a, an illustration that has stuck with me all of these years, and that happened 
20-some years ago. I've never forgotten it. I want to give it to you. He said, I worked in a business building downtown Indianapolis. So I was acquainted with a man by the name of Bruce. He called him by name, didn't give the last name. He said, Bruce and I rode the elevators together. We had offices on the same floor. We knew each other well, went to lunch at times with each other. And he said that was about the extent of it. And he said, one day Bruce came bursting into my office. And Bruce was all smiles, and he said to me, he said, I want you to know that I found the Lord, and I want you to know him too. He said, I looked at Bruce and said, well, Bruce, I'm glad, but I have known the Lord for a long time. And he said, Bruce's face turned pale. And he said, he looked straight at me, and he said, and you have known what I wanted all of these years, and you didn't tell me. Oh, what a tremendous failure. A past opportunity to have witnessed for Jesus Christ because this man did not know his mission. Was to go out into the streets, into the byways and hedges, and there compel this man Bruce to come into the banquet. Now, fortunately, somebody else witnessed to Bruce, and he came to know Christ, but suppose no one else had. Bruce would have gone to hell without knowing Jesus Christ, and the responsibility would have been great upon this man. How about you? How about me? The invitation is now. Isaiah says, come now. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, behold, now is the day of salvation. Thirdly, we must go out quickly because the lost are helpless. I don't know if you've ever felt helpless or not. I suspect you have. I have. Have you ever felt utterly helpless? There was not one single thing you could do to help yourself. You ever been lost? That is a helpless feeling, isn't it? I've been out hunting on a number of occasions. And every once in a while, I get lost. Let me tell you, there is panic immediately when I realize that I don't know where I am. Now, after a while, I can get my wits about me, maybe, and I, I never yet have failed to get back, obviously. You translate your physical feelings of helplessness to the life of that person who does not know Jesus Christ. The only trouble is, many times, that person doesn't know he's lost. And we've got to tell him. And we've got to show him the way. He is physically helpless. He is spiritually helpless. Lastly, we must go out quickly because the Lord has commanded us to go out quickly. What is your mission? As a Christian, what is your mission? What is your purpose in life? 
Let me read you what your purpose ought to be. Jesus says to us in the latter verses, the very last verses of the book of Matthew, as he stood there on the mountain ready to be taken up into heaven, he gave his disciples a charge that is the mission of the church and the mission of every one of us as a Christian. We have come to know it as the Great Commission. We have been challenged. He said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Go! Into the highways, into the hedges, into the streets, and to the hollows, and to the places of occupation, and to your homes, and to your families, and to your friends, to your neighbors, and to the stranger on the street, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our mission. Go quickly. Why so quickly? Because for some people, the time of their response is growing very short. Go out quickly because the banquet is ready. Go out quickly because if we don't, there may be somebody whose opportunity for salvation will pass us by and we won't have the opportunity to witness. Go out quickly because the lost are helpless. They can't come because they don't have someone to guide them. Go out quickly because we're commanded of Christ to do so. Who are the lost in your world? Let me repeat that question. Who are the lost in your world? Where did you live? This is your mission field. Now we can join together with our finances and all of that, and we can send somebody to Africa, China, wherever they might go. That's fine. What I'm saying to you this morning is we've got our own personal mission field. We've got our personal command from the Lord to go into the streets and the highways. You see, that's where we live. And bring in. Bring in the poor. Bring in the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant came back and said, Lord, we've done this and still there's room. And he said, then you go out into the highways and the hedges and you compel them to come. Are we compelling in our witness, in our testimony? Is the world going to know Jesus Christ because we are the servant who goes out? We don't sit around wondering what ought we to do, but we have our mission. And it's made clear to us we're to go out quickly and speak the word of Jesus Christ to the lost. Are you doing it? 
as individuals? Are we doing it as a collective group, as a church? Is this community becoming more aware of Jesus Christ? Because we see that as our mission. Shall we pray? As we pause a moment, before we pray, when each of you search your own heart, your own mind, and determine whether or not you have firmly established in your heart and mind what your mission is, is the Spirit of God speaking to you and sending you out today? To witness to others. And then secondly, let me speak to those of you who don't know Christ. Our mission is to you. Will you accept him this morning as your Lord and Savior? Would you be willing to step out of that pew and come right down this aisle and I'll meet you down here in the front? And just say by your coming, I want to give my heart and life to the Lord that you've talked about. Would you do that? Our Father and our God, we pray that you would touch the heart and life of each person that is in this congregation this morning. Give us clearly our mission in life to go out quickly and teach those of this world, and particularly those of our community, those of our neighbors and friends, the need for Jesus Christ. And bring them in that they may know thee. Speak to our heart this morning in this congregation. Help them to be willing to step out on faith to accept you as their Lord and Savior. You came for them, you died for them, you prepared a great banquet for them. For these things we pray in the name of our precious Lord. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description. Thank you for listening, and remember to try Trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.